I'm Mike. I'm Austin. We are the Test Drivers. And we put tech through its paces. And today, we're going to talk about some products that we're not used to using. So what might you be using right now, my friend? Well, okay, so I've had a little bit of a secret that I've been keeping uh, for what has been like six months now. Which is a wild thing to think about, the amount of time that's passed. But I am actually an owner of a Windows laptop. Mike, you did it. You finally did it. it. I did it. (laughs) So this happened quite some time ago. And basically, before we were starting the show, there were a couple of things that I was wanting to think about, right? Like, I wanted to have an Android phone, and I ended up landing on the Z Flip. Hashtag Z Flip gang represent. There you go. And I also wanted to have a Windows machine that I would use frequently because I have a gaming PC. I built a gaming PC a few years ago, Mm -hmm. but that is just very focused on being a gaming PC. Like that's what it does. I don't have apps on it that are not, are they called apps on Windows (laughs) or called programs? I mean, programs, I guess, is the technical term, but I think apps work. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> I just said that I was like hang a great on a second start. <laughs> right? uh, so I have uh, programmatic pieces of software code that are on my Windows PC but it's all game related on the, on the actual gaming PC and where right. it is at home it's like I'm, I'm not ever going to sit down and use it right like it, it's mm-hmm. kind of set up in a in a gaming environment I've got all gaming peripherals and stuff it's just like that's its thing you know, it's kind of like that. I think of it in in like I think of any of my games consoles. It's like it is a focus yeah. device. I will use it for it, its intention. Um, so I wanted to have a machine that I would be able to use more at home. Now, there has been a slight wrinkle in this plan. Okay. It's called COVID-19. Oh, oh, I think I've heard of that. That's yeah. bad. <laughs> yeah. Again, we can say it here on podcasts. You can't say those words on YouTube. <laughs> I... It still makes me a little uncomfortable just to just to hear the words just out loud. Like, oh no, it's like, monetization. Oh no, take no. the ads away. <laughs> it's not, that's not how it works. Um, but because I uh, I have a studio, an out of home studio, right? That I signed the lease on in February, thinking that oh, why would Mike. it be a problem? And we oh. you know we didn't go there for a while. We started visiting a little more, but like the plan was by this time I would be doing all of my work from this out of home studio. All of my recording gear would be there, all of my like like my Mac would be there, all that kind of stuff, right? Like uh, basically everything there, of course. And I would maybe have just an iPad at home that I would use for for kind of like computing stuff. And mm. the plan was that my Windows laptop would be the only kind of full computer at my home okay so if i needed to do something that was a little bit heavier or like you know like oh my ipad wasn't cutting it for some reason which happens from time to time like that's what the the laptop would be for you know so can i ask you keep saying the laptop Uh now I remember when you were visiting here in the studio, yeah. it seemed like you were leaning toward one specific device. Um, yeah. Can I ask, do you have a Razer device by chance? Yes, I have a Razer Blade. That was Okay. Yeah. Is it the, the Stealth or did you get the 15? Uh, is the Stealth the name of the 13? It is, yes. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. That makes sense. So 
are you actually traveling? Like, what are, what are you actually doing with it now? Obviously, you're not going back and forth to the studio all the time, but how are you actually finding the 13-inch stealth in your life right now? So this is the problem, is that I'm not using it as much as I thought I would have been. Right. Right? Like, that's kind of the, the situation that I've been in, where I'm now just picking it up every now and then, or using it for gaming, and I'll talk about that a little bit more in a bit. But this mm-hmm. this machine has yet to really have its to have met its full potential for me you know really it was like you know it's it's a machine that i won't use for everything but i'll use for some stuff and it will be kind of like a more uh focused or purposeful computer that i will use from time to time um and also right. by having it be the the machine here at home was also as a way to kind of force myself to use it more because it is like a a whole different experience for me, like using yeah. Windows. Like I, I used to be a Windows guy, right? Like until I got my first Mac, like I always had PCs and then I just kind of never went back, which was... Hey, Windows XP was great, man. That, honestly, that was that was the last version of Windows Wait, that was I it really? used. Yeah, with any frequency. <laughs> like I, I dipped in to other versions or like in my corporate job, like... Mm-hmm. technically had other versions of windows but we used everything in virtualization because i worked for a bank but like the last oh. computer that i owned that ran windows was <laughs> windows xp okay so a little bit of um learning about apps and programs probably in order yeah well so what really drew you to the razor because i know obviously a big motivation from your side as far as wanting to actually create the test drivers was that you wanted to become sort of more refined and kind of have a better sort of outlet for your various different gadget impulse purchases i guess would that yeah. be a fair way of describing well, it and, and also like just because i felt like and i still the same is still true our show does focus so much more on other technology companies than the stuff that i'm used to doing which is mostly apple focused right. and right. i wanted to be able to be able to talk intelligently so like we haven't done a lot of laptop discussion on the show we actually haven't really for whatever reason haven't really gotten into a lot of laptop related stuff just uh fake laptops yeah like really other (laughs) than talking about like what is not a laptop right like that's Mm -hmm. kind of been the majority of our conversation about those types of devices but i fully expect that we will continue to talk more about windows stuff in the future especially where like things would have been different at least by the end of this year because it was always looking like Microsoft were going to have a bunch of really interesting products, but they may come Mm. a little bit later. So I wanted to make sure that I was much more understanding of using Windows again for general day-to-day tasks. But I went with the Razer. So when I visited you in January, we Mm. kind of went through a bunch of products and I had like a real strong thought that I was going to want a Surface. Yeah, I remember. Because that lines up so much with the types of the type of computing that I do already, right? Like mm-hmm. kind of tablet, convertible, that kind of stuff. But you kind of recommended not to do that right now. So there were a few laptops that sort of I thought would make a lot of sense for you. The one I actually legitimately thought that you were going to switch to was the Dell XPS 13 2-in-1, yep. which is still actually my primary laptop when I do use a laptop, although, as we've sort of discussed on the show, I do primarily use the iPad Pro. Mm-hmm. But you landed on the Razer, and you really latched onto that Razer. Yep, yep. So the Surface stuff was like, 
it felt like that that platform was a little bit in flux, right? And it's it feels mm-hmm. like it's moving towards a different world, like an arm world. So maybe it was, and that was kind of why I was like, okay, no, I, I'll pause that for now. I'll maybe come back to looking at Surface later on. And then when we were looking at a bunch of different hardware options together, I tried out the XPS and I really did not like the feel of the keyboard. Yeah. And the overall hardware was was nice, but the Razer really kind of grabbed my eye. Like the overall design and the premium mm. feel of it really. Like, look, these are the types of. I say I'm going to say some things that I know are going to upset Uh-oh. some people, right? But okay, I kind of feel like Razer is like the Apple of PC stuff i don't think you're upsetting anyone i think that is absolutely not only what everyone expects sort of razor but also i think that's kind of what razor go for themselves right like because even just the packaging was super nice mm-hmm. and you look at the hardware of any of the systems specifically with the uh with the blade stealth the amount of money and time that goes into creating a chassis like that no one besides apple really does right mm-hmm. i mean so you're looking at a solid billet of aluminum or alu Minium, I can't nice, believe I nice, said that. Nice. And then it's sort of machined down. It goes through this anodization process. I've talked with the guys at Razer. I know they have, for every single Razer laptop that goes through that process and gets anodized, there's probably a number of sort of rejects that get melted down and they just have to start again. That is mm. a very expensive process, which is part of the reason why those laptops are more expensive. But on the flip side, it gives you a level of sort of solidity in that sort of feel that no one else can really touch outside of something like a MacBook. Yeah, like it really just felt like this is kind of similar to what I know, but but different enough. Yeah. Where like a, a lot of laptop design, I look at it and it's like, well, this is like six different pieces of plastic put together. And <laughs> it kind of just doesn't excite yeah. me, really. Where the razor blade did, like visually, it, I found it really exciting. Um, I love the way the keyboard feels. There are some issues with the keyboard on this uh, laptop, mm-hmm. which I'll get to in a minute. But also, like, the size and the weight and the portability of it. Like, I really liked all of that. And just, like, I like Razer's design choices. Like, I like the green yeah. and the USB ports. Like, it's just, like, this feels much more like a company that's really thinking about its design. I mean, and it's reflected in, like, another, I know another reason they are called the Apple of the PC world is that their products are more expensive than their competitors. Yes. That's what you're paying. You're paying for the design and the manufacturing prowess, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the Blade Stealth is a perfect example of that. So in, I guess, the meantime, since you've bought the Blade Stealth, uh, I did a video on the Asus ROG Zephyrus G14. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of ways, that's sort of the closest competitor. It's a 14-inch laptop as opposed to a 13-inch laptop. But what you're getting for a cheaper price is essentially significantly better specs across the board. Now, I will say in a vacuum, that G14 is great. And it still is, as of right now, one of, if not my very favorite laptop of 2020. But the problem is, is that even as good as sort of Asus have come with sort of that design language and the way that that looks and feels, it still isn't the same thing as that solid chunk of anodized aluminum, right? Like there's really something to that. And obviously, Razer has had their fair share of reliability issues over the years. And a, an aluminum chassis does nothing to keep your 
coil whine away or mm-hmm. your battery from dying or whatever the problems that I and many people have had with Razer products over many, many years, to be fair. But there's a real sense of you're spending a lot of money on what is technically a difficult laptop to compare because there's not really another 13-inch gaming laptop like it, but you absolutely get that sense of quality the second you pull it out of the box and you really start using it. It does feel like something different than the the seven pieces of plastic in most other Windows laptops. Yeah, and it's like the, the Asus one, it looks less gamery than a lot of Asus' stuff does, but still yeah. too much for me. Like what I yeah. kind of like about Razer is like, their gaming aesthetic now is much more what I like, where it's like it's simple but with hints, right? So like the keyboard is an RGB keyboard in, mm-hmm. in the blade. And I like that because like I can get rid of that really easily if I want to look serious. But the <laughs> Zephyrus G14, look what what do they call the back of it where it's the LEDs matrix? Or yeah. Like and that's fun, but I don't want that. And then yeah. it's got so many vents in the side <laughs> of it. The keyboard is like looks like it's from a 1990s version of what <laughs> 2020 would look like. You know, like true, it, very true. They've tried to make it look like futuristic, and I, I, yep. you know, I just it is a design aesthetic that I'm not saying is bad. It is just not mine. It is very different than the Apple and the Razer aesthetic of yeah. clean. And I'll say for Razer, they've come a long way, right? I mean, it wasn't that long ago that they had their glowing green three-headed snake logo on the back. Thankfully, especially on the Stealth, that is now sort of just a, a very subtle little mm-hmm. bit of like, like I guess, dark chrome or whatever on the back. But no, I, I think out of any Razer laptop out there, and in fact, out of any pretty much gaming laptop out there, I think pulling out a Blade Stealth in any setting is not going to really draw a lot of attention to yourself. In fact, I actually dailyed not the one that you're using, but the 2019 version of the Blade Stealth for almost six months last year, and I yep. was really happy with it. It's a little bit big, mind you, so you have to consider it more as like a gaming laptop than a uh, an ultrabook or something. Like it's significantly bigger and heavier than something like the XPS, for example. But that being said, it also gives you a lot more performance and it's still in a sort of package that you could, if you were going back and forth to the studio every day, easily take with you. I mean, and if we're going to start comparing to Apple, I think like one of the best comparisons for me is how many ports there are on this laptop. Mm-hmm. Right, so you get like two full USB and two Thunderbolt 3 ports on it. Yeah. It's like, yeah, that's what I want, you know? And also the Windows Hello is like really great. Actually, one quick note. Uh, it's actually not two Thunderbolt 3. It's one is C and one is Thunderbolt. Oh, okay. Oh, uh, yeah, you're right. Thank you. Yeah. Yes, I think it's the right one is Thunderbolt and the left one is C, but I could have that mixed. Yeah, I think it's labeled if my memory serves correct. But nevertheless, like, most of the stuff that I care about is having USB-C ports than Thunderbolt 3 ports, yeah. you know? Yep. Like, it's great to have the, the Thunderbolt 3-ness of it. Like, I like that's there if I want it. But really, what I'm looking for 90% of the time is a USB-C port over a, yeah. a Thunderbolt 3 port. But, like, it's it's great to have all those options. And then to have that Windows Hello camera, you know, so it's doing it's the facial recognition. Like, you know, I, it's kind of funny to me that, that this is becoming so commonplace on Windows laptops but Apple haven't found a way to put Face ID in their laptops yet. Oh, man. So this is a video that actually probably won't be live by the time the uh, the podcast goes live. But I recently have spent some time with a Windows laptop, which actually takes it one step farther. So it combines Windows Hello with a proximity sensor. So hmm. essentially, you can walk up to the laptop. It will detect that you're coming, turn itself on, scan your face, 
unlock, get you sort of straight into the experience. You don't even need to like disconnect it or whatever. You just walk away from it. It detects that you're gone and it locks itself. It is so next level. That's really cool. Yes. Huh. Very, very cool. I like that. But the screen as well actually is 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 nice. It's peculiar for me just from a, like an aspect ratio perspective. Mm-hmm. What is like? Do do you know the the dimensions of it? But it's it's really wide. It's thirteen point three. It's a sixteen nine. Uh, you do you have the ten eighty or did you get the four K screen option? I think I got the ten eighty one. It's uh the four K is the touchscreen and the ten eighty is the non. Yeah, I got the okay. I got the ten eighty one. I I didn't. I didn't feel like I needed the touchscreen option. The four look, I like touchscreens on laptops. I do not like 4K touchscreens, especially on a 13-inch laptop. I think that sucks way too much battery. It's a nice-looking panel. That was my concern. Yeah, the, especially with the newer blade, which also has a 120 hertz option for that 1080p. That really seems like this the right move for battery life, for gaming, for everything. I don't have the most recent one, right? Because I think they came out afterwards. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, it's fine. I, you know, I, it would have made it an even easier decision for me to get the 120 hertz, right? It's just like, well, mm-hmm. you, you've given me like a, a reason that I would actually prefer to, to have that. But really, for me, it was just like, I know that this is going to suck the battery life and I'm not yep. sure how much I need it in, in this product. Especially because like, I don't know if maybe I haven't got this thing configured correctly, but the battery life is not great. Okay, so... A dirty little secret about the Blade Stealth. If you want it as a gaming laptop, you should really get, you know, the whole full 120 hertz and the dedicated GPU and all that kind of stuff. If you care about it as far as battery life goes, it actually kind of makes sense to get the base integrated graphics option, which I know mm-hmm. a lot of people are going to be like, oh my God, it's still so expensive. But that's actually the model that I used last year. I had a base model integrated graphics Blade Stealth. And while, yes, it didn't have the gaming performance, I basically used it as a really nice, comfortable Ultrabook, and it actually did last longer. I was able to usually get six, seven hours out of it without any real issues. But that being said, it is incredibly difficult to recommend anyone to buy the Blade Stealth if you're not going for the dedicated graphics, because really that's what makes it sort of another level up from something like an Ultrabook. But yeah, that's a little low, but that's still... It's it's not I'm not wildly surprised by that. It's not okay. amazing for a any gaming laptop, but specifically for a 13 inch one. Yeah, because I get like four or five hours. <sighs> which again, it's just like a surprise for me. Like not just coming from other laptops or whatever, but just my mobile computing, right? Using mm-hmm. an iPad. Like I don't think about laptop uh, like battery at all. Yeah. I will say one thing that may help. Um, So it does have a dedicated GPU, but that generally should be off unless you're using any sort of more graphic-intensive apps, which, generally speaking, the NVIDIA drivers will kick that GPU on. But I will say, if you want to play around with the Windows power management setting, so if you Mm -hmm. go down to the bottom right, you tap on the little battery icon, there's a little slider for less to more performance versus battery life. Try cranking that down to either the lowest, or I usually do one step over. So I think it's usually like, it's like better battery life, so it's almost, it's on the more battery life sort of side of the, the, the scale, But usually that actually does give me significantly better battery life in Windows devices. And then I have it programmed so that as soon as I plug it in, it immediately goes to max performance mode and I can get everything I want out of it. See, I'd been tinkering with the power management in the Razer app. Maybe that was the wrong idea. That's a separate thing. I actually don't know how deeply that hooks into the Windows side. I I should try it in Windows then. Okay. Yeah. 
Give that a try. I don't expect it's going to make a huge difference, to be completely honest with you. This kind of stuff really reminds me of, like, of Android. Like, they're similar mm-hmm. in this regard, where it's like, here are these <laughs> overlapping apps. Yep. And you just have to work out which one is the right one. Because on the face of it, like, they just sound like the same thing. And plus, again, like, my mentality is like, well, I'm using the Razer product. I'll use the Razer app. But yeah. really, the Windows Ugh. app is pr- or mm-hmm. Windows setting is probably the better one for me to use. But like, what I do like about this stuff is like, yeah, things can get complicated. But it's the same as as what intrigues me about Android phones is I got to choose what laptop I yeah. wanted. Right? Yep. Keyboards like this, I don't know. Screen. Oh, this one's got a matte screen, which which I love about the Razer. By the way, the screen is matte. Right? Like and. I had all these options. I mean, you gave me like 20 laptops to look through <laughs> from this stuff that you had around the studio. And it was, you know, like it was like, oh, you know, I'm not so sure about this. So I can go in a completely different direction. But like when I'm choosing with Mac laptops, it's like, well, what kind of power do you want? Maybe what kind of screen do you want? You don't really have too much of a difference that you can go to from there like like you know yeah. like when we, when we had the bad keyboard it was like well you haven't got any other options the keyboard is that's what the keyboard is right all the laptops yeah. have this keyboard if you don't like it well that's it yeah and so i like that about the windows world as i do about the android world in that i get to make decisions based on my own preferences and they can actually relate to wildly different products Mike, I'm really curious. So obviously, I 100% agree when it comes to hardware for both Windows and Android that the flexibility is one of my favorite sort of features. But how are you finding Windows itself? Yeah, that's probably a good point to talk about. Um, (laughs) I mean, it's Windows, right? Like, it, it has everything I need. Yeah. But a lot of stuff is just more complicated. It's very different. I, I feel like at this point, you can kind of do everything you want on sort of Android and iOS, and you can do everything you want on Mac and Windows, right? It's much more mm-hmm. of a preference thing than things that you like physically can or can't actually do on that operating system. You know, like it has enough apps. They have some weird apps in the app stores there, which you don't see in other, like, <laughs> you know, like there's like a, an Instagram app, but really it's just, <laughs> it's just a web you know, um, oh. so I found that kind mm. of funny. I mean, I don't really have a lot to say about Windows, in all honesty. Like, yeah. I was able to get versions of the applications that, I, you know, really, it's like we can replay my conversation about using Android. Mm-hmm. It's very, yeah, yeah, yeah. they're not the same, but they're similar in, in mentality of like, I can get pretty much everything I need. There are Windows versions of all the major apps that I'm looking for. If not, there's typically a web version that works just as well. I have more choices because the platform is more open, but really the Mac is much more open than iOS anyway. So it it isn't really a case of like, Apple won't let you do this. It's more the developer didn't make a version of this, you know? Right, um, because the Mac has much—it's much more of an open platform for me to be able to do what I want. I can use the App Store, or I don't have to, and and that kind of stuff. I mean, the main thing that I like about Windows compared to other platforms is its gaming ability. Of course, yeah. And one thing that I did with this machine that I hadn't done before was the Xbox Game Pass. Oh, 
what great timing and a year full of brand new consoles. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's fantastic, right? Like, I have access to all these games. I can plug my Elite controller in. Nice, nice. And this machine is fantastic. Right? Like, I was playing Forza, and it looked superb and ran perfectly like it was great at everything yeah. i was throwing it at and like i was genuinely really surprised at what at the performance i could get out of a laptop i think a lot of people give the blade stealth a bad rap because it actually isn't really that powerful when you compare it to a lot of other gaming laptops i think the thing that a lot of people miss though is that it's not something that's 15 inches and you know two inches thick or has all this sort of crazy cooling. I mean, this is still a very thin and light laptop. And there really aren't that many 13-inch laptops that are really focused on gaming out there. And when you sort of keep that in mind, you can still play a lot of games, especially if you have the 1080p 60 hertz display. 1080p 60 hertz for most games is totally easy to hit. And oftentimes, it's actually going to look as good, if not better, than a lot of consoles, but with all the portability that you expect with a smaller laptop. Again, I keep coming back to it's the overall package, right? Like I'm yeah. able to get really great gaming performance for what I'm looking for in an attractive, small laptop. And it doesn't have holes along the sides for fans, <laughs> you know? Like, and and I, right. I, I think that that's fantastic. That, that's what I wanted out of this package. Like, I would mm-hmm. say that this product has completely lived up to what I was looking for. Like, I haven't feel I don't feel like I have had to compromise on the things that are important to me yeah. to get this. Now I will say I have just a couple of points that I want to hit on for where this product is strange for me. Okay. Um one, I've heard this in, in other places and seen it in other reviews. There's some peculiarities with the keyboard. Oh yes. The shift keys are sm- too small and I end up pressing the arrow keys more than I would want. Um, yep. They kind of give a half size shift key and the up arrow is next to it. So f- too frequently I hit up <laughs> when I mean to hit shift. This yep. is not a deal breaker for me, but if I was doing a lot of writing on this machine, it would drive me mad. So I will say the latest edition, so the one that came out a few months after you purchased yours, does actually have a fixed full shift size key. So shift. actually the right shift yeah. is full size. Yes, that, that was something a lot of people complained about. Yeah, so in the 2020, they actually kind of use a layout very similar to what Apple was doing before, where they were doing full-size shift key and half-size up-down arrow keys, um, Mm -hmm. which, you know, I would prefer that to what I have. Uh, The other thing that I found super weird is the function and control key there in the wrong order for me. Yeah, yeah, and on top of that, this is something that I've actually had some issues with, with Razer devices across the board, uh, even including like their keyboards. Sometimes I feel like the Synapse software doesn't actually let me properly remap. So most of the time you should be able to switch it. So if you want to just use your function keys, so it'll just automatically be F1, 2, or 3 or whatever, and then you press the actual function button to switch them over to like screen brightness or whatever. A lot of times on Razer devices, I have a problem with that because usually I'm not using the function keys. I just want to like jump up my volume or like mute something or whatever a lot of times it actually doesn't save my preferences and i have to like every time i reboot and this has been an issue literally for like a year plus for me where i can't always switch the things i want i'm trying to like hit volume up instead i'm tapping f7 all the time like that stuff drives me crazy yeah i just i was able to remap the control and function because it's just like the control was too far away from like the c for for copying right mm-hmm. and it's just like these are in the wrong place i don't know why the function key <laughs> needs to be like in one so it goes control function windows alt and that seems wrong to me it feels like it should be function control windows alt 
So I flipped them. <laughs> Something I just found peculiar was the number keys and like the ca- like the special characters, like the exclamation mark, the accent at symbol. They're mm. opposite to every other keyboard I've ever seen, where it has the number above and then the characters below. <laughs> and like it was, this is not like I have no. It's not an issue, but it was just like, why would you make that decision? I don't understand. I've never even noticed that. <laughs> I've never seen it this way on a keyboard. I can't think of any reason you would do it. So, like, I just don't understand why they did it. I like. I feel that's the most fired up you've been this whole episode about. Like, I can't believe they swapped my labeling. I really don't like decisions that seem pointless, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's like you did it just to be different. And I don't understand why you do. The other thing is that the trackpad is really nice. It's big. It has gestures, which is awesome. But the click only works on the bottom, which yes. is very normal for laptops, I know. But once you have gotten used to Apple's like magic trackpad, which can click anywhere, even the one on the magic keyboard, which is a physical click, but you can click anywhere. Mm-hmm. Once you get used to that, trackpads feel broken. I mean, look, I, I will say that Windows trackpads have gotten miles better than mm-hmm. they were even three or four years ago, but even the best of them, and I would put the Razer in sort of the very best uh, Windows keyboards I've ever used, still are significantly behind something like a MacBook, right? I mean, Apple is just on top of the trackpad game, and they have been for like 15 years now. Yeah, so it was a much better trackpad than I was expecting it to be, but the clickable region only being at the bottom of the trackpad was like it just it was just frustrating to me because you know i just kept like mushing my finger into it and nothing was happening <laughs> you know yeah yeah but yeah i we will come back to this at some point like i will have more to say on this laptop in the future but it was kind of getting to the point where we needed we've this has been in our show document for so long to talk about this computer i we had to talk about it before the 2021 version of this laptop <laughs> is unveiled right like you know i'm i'm rocking my 2019 razor blade stealth and just never talking about it but overall like i'm really happy with this purchasing decision like okay i expect if and when i move on it will probably be to some kind of next generation surface device mm-hmm. purely because like the surface is just intriguing to me in the ways that iPads are intriguing to me is convertible. You can do different things of it, but it feels like Microsoft are like dipping their toe into the water with the, they call it the X. Yes. The surface, actually, is it surface pro X or actually, do they just call it surface X? I think it's it's the one that is running the arm version of windows and all Mm -hmm. that. And it's, you know, it is their next generation product clearly. And the current pro, whilst it's good at doing what it does, it's not what the Elm one is. And and I think Microsoft definitely have plans for that. And mm-hmm. I want to see how far or if they actually execute on those before considering a Surface product. Stay tuned. Six months from now, Mike gives the one-year review of his secret Surface that he's been hiding all this time. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. This episode of The Test Drivers is brought to you by Mint Mobile. The folks who can cut your wireless bill to $15 a month with their futuristic approach to wireless. If you're still using one of the big wireless providers this year, have you asked yourself why? Like, are you getting what you're paying for? Between expensive retail stores, inflated prices, hidden fees, there is ample opportunity to take advantage of paying customers like you. This is something that they're doing, right? They have all these inflated costs and those costs are passed along to you 
the consumer. This is where Mint Mobile comes in. Mint Mobile provides the same premium network coverage that you're used to, but at a fraction of the cost because everything is online, which to be honest, isn't that where you want it? Right? Like if you have a problem, do you want to go to a store? No, you want to deal with it online. Mint Mobile saves on retail locations and overhead, then passes those savings directly to you, making it easy to cut your wireless bill down to just 15 bucks a month. Every plan comes with unlimited nationwide talk and text, and you can stop paying for the unlimited data that you never use. You just choose between their plans of 3, 8, or 12 gigabytes of 4G LTE data, which honestly is more than enough for even people that are using their data all the time. Now, Austin, I believe that you're using mobile right now, right? Well, yes, I am. So one of the things that really struck me about setting up my Mint Mobile SIM card and plan for the first time was just how quick and easy the activation process was. I'm not even kidding. It was probably three minutes between I opened up the SIM card, put it in my phone, went online, activated it, had a phone number, and I was up and running in no time. And the nice thing is it actually takes advantage of the carriers that you expect, right? So you have that full coverage. I saw no difference in speed or anything like that. It really is a no-brainer. You can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan. Keep your same phone number along with all your existing contacts. Super easy. You can just ditch your old wireless bill and start saving money with Mint Mobile. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and to get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash test drivers. That's mintmobile.com slash test drivers. Go there right now. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash Test drivers. Our thanks to Mint Mobile for their support of this show and Relay FM. So, with all of the talk about iOS and iPad OS 14 last episode, I figured that it was time for me to take the plunge and switch over to iOS 14. Except, um, well, come on, it's the test drivers. I'm not going to switch over on my main phone. Instead, thanks to Robo Dude on Twitter. I had the idea to pull up my old iPhone 6S, the oldest device that is supported, and (laughs) drop that fresh public beta of iOS 14 on it. It's, uh, look, it works. We need to caveat this, though, right? Because, like, look. Mm, No, I think it's okay. Okay. All right. I was going to say, right, like, obviously, the oldest device that can run a uh, version of an operating system typically will be the one that will probably support it the worst not necessarily bad i mean i know apple has spoken in the past i think this was of ios 12 where they were saying that like they were doing a lot of their or just came out as a report i don't remember which way around mm-hmm. it was that it came out that they were doing a lot of their own internal testing on old devices because yeah. that i think 11 had gotten a lot of criticism for running really poorly on older devices um and i know ios 13 kind of ran badly on everything uh, <laughs> so i'm i'm intrigued to know how oh, I, was, I was about to say something I never usually say, but I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> Performant. Ooh, hey. I, I don't like that I said that. I, I really don't like that word, uh, but I said <laughs> it now. It. It's too late. How performant uh, iOS 14, the public beta, which is developer beta 2, which just came out, how that really fares on an iPhone success. So there are obviously some caveats, right? I mean, I think when you look at the hardware of what is almost a five-year-old phone, some things really jump out to me, right? I mean, when I'm playing games and stuff, specifically a lot of the newer 3D games straight up won't work or are running in like potato mode. And the camera is still a very much five-year-old camera. But if you can put those aside, it's actually totally fine. 
Now, I don't really have a lot of sort of good reference. I haven't used the 6S as a daily in quite a while, so my memory is not so great. And I didn't really spend a lot of time on iOS 13 with it, for example. But iOS 14, you squint a little bit. This is pretty much the same kind of general feel as even something like the brand new iPhone SE, which obviously is still sort of based on this design. Mm -hmm. So the first thing that's really jumped out to me is actually not even an iOS 14 thing. It's that, oh, I've missed the size of a phone. It's such a good size of a phone. I know you were, uh, well, actually, I guess we were both on the Plus when the 6 and yeah. the 6S were out, right? But oh, it's so nice to have such a small phone. I know I'm just kind of being spoiled by like the Z Flip and everything these days. But like using the 6S, it just feels right. The keyboard's still really comfortable. Obviously, the bezels are large. But when it comes to actually using the phone, it's totally fine. It's maybe a half, I know it's not a half second, but it's like a half little beat slower than something like the iphone 11 pro but considering the five year gap in the release dates of these phones or four years or whatever it actually is like it's actually really not bad i'm legitimately impressed by how much i've enjoyed using the 6s for the first time since like 2014 or 2015 2015 2015 yeah i'm gonna go with that yeah i think you're gonna be pretty excited about the iphone 12 mm-hmm <laughs> I am a sucker for it. Because all of the, the mock-ups, the rumors and stuff, whilst it's a 5.4-inch screen, where the 6S was a 4.7-inch screen, the base level 12 is looking like it's going to be size-wise in between the SC, the two SEs, the old SE and the new SE. Oh, I'm so excited. I mean, look, I like the idea of having like a large screen, but honestly, as time has gone on, I'm over it. I don't want to carry some huge phone around, especially considering I carry two phones, right? So the 6S has been nice in that sort of respect. Like genuinely, physical size-wise, it could be about the size of a 6S. That that phone, physical size-wise, actually sits between the SE and the SE2. I am all about it. So I'm actually really happy that I've switched over on a 6S to iOS 14 because it's really sort of giving me a sort of a fresh look at everything. And mm-hmm. specifically, it's been a long time since I've used, I guess besides the, the SE2, this actual screen size, right? I've gotten very much used to sort of swiping and using gestures on Android and iOS and everything. And to go back to a physical home button Ooh. and touch ID is nice. Really? Obviously, it, it does. Yo, hmm. Honestly, especially given how much sort of I wear masks every day now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like, and look, I'm not, uh, I guess maybe I shouldn't say this, but I will. I don't, I'm not one of the people who uses like a four or six digit passcode. I have a long password to unlock my phone. So oftentimes, <laughs> I'm not pulling my phone I'm out. I don't this. What's the real <laughs> truth? Do you have like zero, 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 zero? <laughs> no, <laughs> no. I have a long password okay. that requires me to take five seconds to type in, and I don't want to spend five seconds to unlock my phone. So oftentimes, I won't even touch the iPhone. I always pull out Z Flip when I'm out or like wearing a mask or something. But with the 6S, drop my fingerprint on it, and boom, I am unlocked and ready to go. Yeah. Now, you're using uh, iPad OS 14 right now, right? Yeah, I actually, actually before we recorded today, I put uh, the beta on my iPhone. Oh, so what do you think about the widgets? Because I'm kind of underwhelmed. They're not. I mean, they're they're okay, I guess. Well, okay. So you need the, the thing to remember is like the only widgets you have right now are the ones that mm-hmm. Apple have made, right? Very so true. It, it might just be that like the widgets you want don't exist right now. You know, like for the apps that you like to use. That is absolutely true. You know, I would say there's a couple that genuinely there's a couple in there that, that I'm good, like I'm happy to use. Like I used like the notes one to jump into a couple of notes that I use pretty 
pretty frequently. The weather mm-hmm. one's pretty nice, but I want yeah. want to wait for the weather app that I use, Carrot Weather, to have one, which I'm sure that they will. Uh, and the calendar one's nice too. Honestly, the built-in widgets are nice, but the thing is, I don't use many of the built-in apps, right? I don't use Apple Calendar. I don't use sort of the the stock yeah, photos app. I'm pretty true. much entirely in like sort of Google Calendar and Google Photos. I'm, I'm sort of spread out all over the place. So to me, the widgets are interesting. I do like the idea that you have so much more control over the home screen, right? So like I've been like playing out with like the app library, which mm-hmm. I know a lot of people aren't really a big fan of. Yeah, look, okay, the sorting isn't maybe the smartest thing in the world, but honestly, I actually kind of like it, right? I mean, I've always liked Android sort of having the app drawer. It's fine. It's whatever. But then you, you can just you can get an alphabetized list there as well. Like, I think that that's kind yeah. of best of both worlds, in my opinion. I'm totally down with it. And also, I like the idea of sort of not only do you have app library, but because of that, you can sort of really condense your home screen. So you can almost have sort of like what is it? I guess they call it left of home. So you can have your your widgets and all that kind of stuff over to the side. You can have like one home screen, which is the way I have it set up. And then the next screen is my app library, which actually I feel like is really nice. I had like a real, just like a real tough time today trying to condense my home screens. Mm-hmm. I wanted to get down to one, right? So I got rid of a bunch, but then it was like, oh, but the clock app I always have on the second screen. Yeah. But I use it every day, so I had to bring clock to my home screen. I had a, I had like a real like I'm changing my home screen layout significantly for the first time in like maybe five years or something, right? Because it's yeah. been pretty standard, and I've like rotated some apps in and out, but I've changed it up big time because I I basically have four rows of apps and one of those big widgets, and it's just like in a stack, so I'm just swiping through them right now, and mm-hmm. I thoroughly expect that to change a lot. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if by the time like once it's shipped and all the widgets are out and stuff, I might just be like a couple of apps on the on the home screen. Like well, I guess. We'll kind of wait and see because i really do open most applications by searching so maybe it would be better to just have widgets and stuff but i'm waiting for a lot of the third-party apps that i use to give me the widgets that that i'm looking for yeah i will say the universal search is nice it's really helpful i mean just sort of i think it's probably even better on the ipad but it's nice to have that sort of all put together the widgets are interesting i think i need a bigger rethink because the way i have it now works but the way I use like the Z Flip, for example, is I have like a calendar widget on the very top or like, uh, like mm-hmm. the Today View or whatever. Then I have you know, a couple of rows of apps. Then I swipe over to page two. It's entirely sort of my calendar, my Todoist. And then I swipe over to page three. And that's where I keep sort of the last apps that I sort of get at pretty frequently. I think I want to try to replicate something like that. But given the limitations on widgets and the fact that, you know, I don't think I can scroll through my Todoist and check things off from no. the widget that might be a little bit of a limiting factor. So yeah, I, I want to wait and see. Yeah, it's yeah be that, that, that one's, that kind of sucks. But you know what is really cool? Picture in picture. Dude, so obviously an Android feature for many years. Oh yeah, I haven't tried that yet. It's really good. So the YouTube app doesn't support it yet. But even if you're not even signed in or you have YouTube Red, you actually can do it inside of Safari if you go to YouTube. And it works really well, even on the 6S. So you can sort of easily pinch it. You can sort of fly it around. It's similar to what you get on the iPad. So it kind of is, it's smart. It'll kind of like attach itself to corners. And it will kind of, if you like go out to your home screen, it'll kind of bump itself up so you can still see the dock. It's really clever. But especially on the phone, I mean, this is such a obvious feature. And it works really well, especially if you don't want to pay for YouTube Red and you want to get background play. Not that I would ever condone that. Uh, Actually, yeah. Why? why? Just do it. Why wouldn't you? Until they shut it down. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Look at that. I'm watching uh, my favorite Austin Evans video. Uh, Ooh. 
just any Austin Evans videos. My favorite video, of course. Oh, so kind, so, so kind. Yeah, that's that's this is actually really nice to have on the iPhone. Finally, like I use it a little bit on my iPad. Uh, I would like to use it more, but honestly, YouTube is what I want the most. But and yeah. I, I think I saw Apple suggesting that they were working with YouTube to try and get picture-in-picture support sorted out, which they really should do because there's no reason why they shouldn't have picture-in-picture support available for people that pay for YouTube Premium. Yeah. Like, I'm happy with the fact that my YouTube Premium money goes to my favorite creators like you, you know? Thank you very much. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But uh, I, I love that the, 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 they have that feature. I'd really love to see it come to the YouTube app. Like, I really hope Absolutely. that they're able to bring it because that's that's where I'm watching video. Like, video yeah. is YouTube for me. I think that's absolutely got to happen. I don't think there's any way that they won't have an update for the YouTube app, at least by the time iOS 14 sort of goes public. I mean, you say that. Did you see that thing a couple of days ago <laughs> where they, uh, the Gmail just got supported for split screen on <laughs> iPad, which is a five-year-old yep. feature? <laughs> Isn't it because, like, Apple said if you don't support this, like, you can't update your yeah. app for the iPad or something? <laughs> yeah, they, they, that's the only reason they've added it, because oh, Apple finally God. put a cut off that, like, all iPad apps that are, receive updates have to be able to use split screen now. Google's so slow with this stuff. It's it's so frustrating. Like as a Google Docs person, like I really want to be able to have multiple Google Docs side by side on my iPad, and I can't do that. But but anyway, it kind of feels like this. There is no story here that that the success just runs fourteen fine, completely fine. Honestly, That's great, the though, between right? this. Yeah, no, I'm I'm legitimately really impressed, especially considering just how cheap the 6S is. So the one I'm using right now, I actually originally had a 6S Plus. So I'm actually using the standard 6S. I got this like a year or two ago for like $150 or something. Like, wow. I mean, obviously this is a very affordable phone today and iOS 14 really still obviously is still supported, but it runs really well. That being said though, uh, iOS 14 is nice, but it very much feels like sort of like Android 11. This year just seems like a, a year for a bunch of minor upgrades on the phone front, right? There's a lot of nice little features, yeah. little tweaks yeah. and nips and tucks. But, like, I mean, look, if I, like, I'm going to put the 6S down and switch back to the 11 Pro on iOS 13, I'm going to be fine. I'm, I'm going to wish I had the YouTube thing and maybe I could redo my home screen a little bit. But, like, honestly, there's not enough here to really pull me away from the Z Flip. Yeah, widgets will be better when they when it's shipping. There's a, you know, there's a bunch yeah. of features in there that we, we'll see some developers take advantage of. But... The thing is with both Android and the iPhone now is the amount of movement they can actually make is small anyway. Um, yeah. And especially this year. They're so mature, right? There's yeah. so... I mean, look, we're on iOS 14. That's mm-hmm. a lot of updates. That's a lot of years of sort of cramming every feature they can in. I feel like short of, you know, huge redesigns and major, major new features, which often times come with the hardware, not the software. It's hard for me to see anything that's really egregiously missing right i mean i think now that they've sort of rethought the home screen experience i don't really have any major complaints this episode is brought to you by pingdom from solar winds do you have a website does your website have a shopping cart registration form a contact us page basically any content that you want people to see if you've answered yes to these questions you must have answered yes to at least one of them you need Pingdom. Nobody wants their critical website transactions to fail. This means a bad experience for your users, could mean lost business for you. The good news is you can set up transaction monitoring with Pingdom. Transaction monitoring will alert you when cart checkout forms and login pages fail, 
before they affect your customers and your business because Pingdom is making sure that this stuff is being monitored before this stuff is failing. They're going to let you know the moment that anything is going wrong in whatever way is best for you and you can customize how you're alerted and who is alerted depending on the outage severity. So maybe something goes wrong on this part of your website, it contacts this person on your team. Or maybe the entire site goes down and everybody can be alerted. Pingdom cares about your users having the smoothest site experience possible and if disaster strikes, they want you to be the first to know. It's so easy to get started. You just go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now and you can get a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. Then when you sign up, use the code TESTDRIVERS at checkout and you'll get a huge 30% off your first invoice. That's pingdom.com slash RelayFM and the code TESTDRIVERS for a 14-day free trial and 30% off your first invoice. Our thanks to Pingdom from SolarWinds for their support of this show and Relay FM. So it's new phone time again. Hype train is rolling on in. Samsung coming back. More phones, more Samsung phones. I thought we just got a bunch of Samsung phones, but this is the way they do it, right? Like I know this is Samsung's thing. Two big phone launches a year. Um, Mm -hmm. August 5th, they're doing an online unpacked event. The invitations show a bronze S Pen and like a bronze splash, which kind of looks like a crown. Clearly, Mm -hmm. that is a new color for at least, I guess, the Note. This is typically the Note event, isn't it, this one? Yeah, so it's going to be really weird. So actually, the very last sort of event I did before COVID was the previous Samsung Unpacked. So this is going to be the first time... I think ever that they're doing a purely online one. So after, you know, obviously what Apple was able to pull off with WWDC, they've set the bar very, very high from an event standpoint. But I'm actually pretty excited for this unpacked, not only just because there's rumors of a a new Z Flip, which we can uh, talk about in a minute, but the real story here seems to be the Samsung Galaxy Note 20 Ultra. Are you ready to go ultra, Mike? Are you ready to to shell out whatever absorbent price is the uh, Samsung's going to charge? It's going to be a billion dollars, right? Like that's how much <laughs> this phone is going to start at. Like seriously, yeah. probably f- fifteen. You reckon fifteen hundred? Well, the S twenty Ultra is is what fourteen hundred dollars, right? It can't it? be cheaper than that. Jeez, it is. I yes. forgot how much that phone was. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's got <laughs> to start at. If they're going to do the ultra thing, because, all right, so we should say, like, there's been some leaks, right? Yes. And they seem to show off a very large camera unit. So there are rumored to be actually multiple Note models, which makes sense. Right now, there's multiple Note 10s. But uh, sort of in keeping with the S20 line, the Ultra will be sort of the top end. And actually, YouTuber uh, Jimmy is promo actually got his hands on a prototype and actually posted a video on it. So looking at his video, there are a few things that really jump out about the S20 Ultra. First of all, it's even bigger than the S10 Plus, which means that it actually could technically have a 7-inch screen. Is it going to be bigger than the S20 Ultra? Likely, because I think the S20 Ultra was 6.9. So usually the Note is at least a small bit larger. Look, okay, I'm going to be real. The S20 Ultra is too big of a phone for me, right? Surprise, surprise, right? I think it's too big for most people. It's so big. And the thing is, so with the S20 Ultra, it has obviously a great sort of set of cameras, right? You have the super high megapixel main camera. You have that... 100 times space zoom camera, which is like 4X and they have a bunch of digital stuff. Obviously a great zoom camera, but they've 
slightly overhyped it. You've got the ultra wide and everything. Well, I guess probably mostly because of that sort of periscope camera. The camera bump is huge on the S20 Ultra. And based on what we've seen leaked from the S from the Note Ultra, the camera bump is going to be even bigger. Why? So it does look nice. Well, okay. So <laughs> what are they doing, do you think, with the camera? As you put, um, so I guess there's two aspects of this. As you put larger like sensors in, so obviously the main wide-angle camera that are pretty much on most phones this year have gotten larger, right? So you right, look at right. everything from OnePlus, you know, the S20 Ultra, even the standard S20, the, the sensors are getting bigger, which is great. But as you get a bigger sensor, the lens and the optics that you put in front of that just necessitate sort of being a little bit thicker, right? So yeah. that's one aspect of it. But when you look at the sort of the, the periscope camera, that zoom lens, essentially what they done is they've taken that camera and they flipped it on its side so as you point the phone when you're operating the zoom lens when you point your phone at something it's actually hitting a mirror bouncing into the side of the phone and that's where the sensor is so the sensor is actually sitting sort of like horizontally i guess which is completely sort of contrary to every other sort of phone out there but essentially what that allows them to do is sort of get around that z height sort of depth right so if they did it normally you would have a legitimately like one inch thick camera bump so they've kind of put it on its side to minimize that but even so you're still limited by the laws of physics of you have to have the screen then you have to have like you know whatever sort of backing panel for the camera you have to have the sensor facing the wrong direction and then you have to have a piece of glass over the top of it it just means it's thick and it looks like the note 20 ultra is going to have an even bigger bump i will say one thing though if you look at the leaks it actually does look a little bit nicer so they kind of look like they're taking a page out of the iphone 11 pros book in that sort of they have equal looking little camera like little round fixtures around the cameras yeah, it looks. It definitely looks better than the S20 Ultra camera array. Yeah, it's a little bit more sort of uniform. The cameras likely will be very similar. So the rumors I'm seeing right now, if there's a, obviously several note lines, so it's kind of hard to say. I would assume it's going to be very similar to the S20 Ultra camera setup, maybe with some slight tweaks. But usually with the note, they don't introduce anything major and new and obviously the s20 ultra was such a huge step forward the only thing i hope is that they're able to knock out some of their image quality and specifically some of their autofocus issues that have sort of plagued the s20 ultra but that's only just one aspect of it right so it also is going to be likely powered by the new snapdragon a65 plus i don't really know what that means (laughs) i'm gonna be honest with you so what Qualcomm has been doing for the last couple of years, so they did it last year with the 855 and the 855 yeah. Plus, they're only really doing one big flagship chip a year. But essentially for the mid-cycle refresh, for you know, the notes and the, the pixels and the Z flips or whatever it's sort of the phones that come out in the back half of the year, yeah. they're creating a, essentially a higher bend version of the same chip. Okay. So the 865 is basically exactly the same, right? In fact, silicon-wise, it probably is the same. But essentially, the prime core, so the way these things are set up, it's like four slower cores, three fast cores, and then there's a fourth core, which is sort of the big core, but it's sort of overclocked. So before, I think it was like 2.9 or 2.8 gigahertz. Now, actually, that core can go all the way up to 3.1 gigahertz, which, while it means it technically single-threaded, you're 10% faster, but what it really means is that they've got the marketing term, the world's first three gigahertz smartphone. But they've also paired that with some legitimately nice benefits. So graphics are about 10% faster, but probably what's more important for most people is that it now supports Wi-Fi 6E, which is a brand new Wi-Fi standard. And I know that Wi-Fi 6, I feel like, just launched like last year for a lot of devices. But 6E essentially uh, opens up the new 6 gigahertz frequency. Okay. Which specifically here in the U.S. has been opened by the FCC only, I think, like a month or two ago. But obviously it's been in the... 
Yeah, it's, it's been really recent, but obviously this was in the works for a while. Essentially, right now, Wi-Fi usually works on 2.4 and 5 gigahertz frequencies. But the more Wi-Fi devices and microwaves and wireless everything in our lives, the more those frequencies really get jammed, which sort of keeps you from hitting those peak speeds, right? I mean, yeah. you look at Wi-Fi 5, it's like, oh, you can do 1.8 gigabits per second or whatever. But that's like if you're in a lab, right, with a, a Faraday cage or something, right? When you have all these different devices fighting for frequency, it means that you have less range, you get less speed. It's sort of, it's very congested, Right. So with Wi-Fi 6E, essentially you're getting a brand new frequency, actually a very wide band uh, frequency. So there's a lot of sort of spectrum in there to to be used. Essentially, if you have a Wi-Fi 6E router, so you will have to upgrade your router. Uh But with these new phones, you actually should get significantly, not necessarily higher like theoretical speeds, but in real life, you're going to have better speeds and better range because there's not a lot of devices fighting over that small chunk of spectrum. But, I mean, that kind of stuff is like... It's not really a selling. It's not really a selling no. point, right? Because people don't have these routers, you know. It's like one of those things where you're buying the ultra. They're giving you the very best, right? They're giving you a slight upgrade over yeah. the S20 Ultra. It's nice to have. Honestly, you're completely right. There won't be Wi-Fi six E routers on sale probably till the end of the year. You're probably not going to upgrade for two to three years because who upgrades their router every year, right? But Nice feature to have, but generally speaking, very similar 5G support, all that kind of stuff. I think what I'm a little bit more excited about, and obviously what all non-Z Flip gang members are excited about, is the Galaxy Fold 2. How likely do you think we're going to see this? I think very likely. So, I mean, you look at the first Galaxy Fold... It was, what is it announced, like last March or April or something? And then obviously at the last minute, they had to sort of cancel the launch, which I think pushed a lot of phones, including the Z Flip back, right? So the Fold ended up shipping much later in 2019 than it originally been anticipated. My strong assumption is that the Z Flip was supposed to be shipped last year since it had like sort of the 855 and a lot of specs that were very much 2019. And obviously that was launched in sort of February of this year. But I think the Galaxy Fold 2... They've obviously got all of those initial issues fixed. I think they're ready to go with what I think will be a major, major upgrade. So all of the, I don't really know if they're leaks, but but renders that I've seen mm-hmm. of the Fold 2 basically seem to indicate a more modern design. So larger screen on the inside with a hole punch camera rather than the cutout camera that that was on the you know that was on the original one probably Mm -hmm. just seeing one camera which makes way more sense rather than the multiple camera array that was on the first fold and but the key part being that the outer screen while still slim will cover much much more of the body of the phone it very much feels like the Fold was kind of like that Gen 1 device. If they got it out the door, it technically worked, but obviously had a lot of very obvious limitations. Now, I don't want to get too excited, but from everything we're hearing about the Fold 2, it seems like it is a huge leap forward, right? So the screen's bigger, better looking. Theoretically, now take this with a big grain of salt, but theoretically, that main screen inside the Fold 2 may run at a full 120 hertz, which would be bananas. Oh my word. I did like, not know that. <laughs> wow. Supposedly, supposedly, there have been some leaks as far as I think some firmware got leaked or whatever that the outer screen runs at 60, but the inner screen can run at 120, which if true, that's almost like an iPad Pro that you've got squeezed into a yeah. foldable phone. Like, that's crazy. It's like an iPad Mini Pro or something. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, so on top of that, there's also been some rumors, and Samsung actually filed a patent recently as far as making uh, water resistance a feature of folding phones. There's no way. There's no way that this phone has water resistance. People I expect really they will hyped. do it, but like I cannot believe that they've been able to make that work so fast. The things are barely dust resistant, <laughs> right? Very true. Like, I genuinely believe that they will find a way to do that because that's just the way technology marches forward. But mm-hmm. to me, the the idea that they've somehow been able to to get, I, I, I don't know. I would be, what were you going to eat the podcast for? Do you remember that? Uh, the Xbox Series S, I believe. Oh, yeah, that you figured that it was definitely going to happen. Otherwise, you were going to eat a version of the podcast, which would be Very a printed true. version of the show. Stand uh, behind that. I will I will eat the podcast if they've somehow uh, made a water-resistant version of the Galaxy Fold and it's shown off in a couple of weeks' time. This is such a bizarre running joke we have now. <laughs> <laughs> no, right. you will eat the podcast. <laughs> one of us is going to be really sad one of these days when we're like wildly wrong. Yep. So there are a bunch of other crazy rumors. Supposedly, it may even have an S Pen. Um, likely, will have some kind of mix of the... It should have an S Pen. But there's a lot of stuff going on in this phone, though. I'm a little questioning as far as like, okay, obviously, you need a huge battery, especially if you've got like 120 hertz and all this kind of stuff. You need a huge battery. So I'm not sure how realistic the S Pen is, but it would make sense. Well, and also, the S Pen could damage the screen. Oh, that's a very good point. So I do believe that the new Fold, the Fold 2, or whatever they end up calling it, will be likely using the same ultra-thin glass from the Z Flip. But Mm. that being said, even the ultra-thin glass on the Z Flip can get scratched by something like your fingernail if you really dig into it. Yeah, There are a couple of other things that are rumored. So it looks like it'll have some kind of mix of S20 and S20 Ultra cameras. So likely you'll have like the main and the ultra-wide from the S20. And then you'll have that same Periscope ultra-zoom camera that's going to be on the S20 Ultra, as well as the Note 20 Ultra and everything. That likely will make its way to the fold. But on top of that, there have been rumors for a while, and it may or may not actually be shown at this event, that there could be a lower-end, quote-unquote, cheaper version of the fold. People have been calling it the Fold E. I don't actually think that that's the name. But a fold that's a little bit closer to that 1000 to $1,200 price point that really kind of takes some of the specs and puts them into a form factor similar to the first-generation Galaxy Fold. I don't understand why that would exist. I mean, these are expensive phones, right? So there have been rumors that the new Galaxy Fold 2 will be at least as expensive as the last year's model. In fact, maybe even slightly more. So if you're talking $2,021, $2,200, I can see that that obviously, that's a lot of money, right? If they can make a cheaper version. Yeah, it is a lot of money. But if you have $1,200 to put down on the device, I think it is better to get the -the top-of-the-line version of the Note or mm-hmm. the Ultra than the low-end version of the Fold. I'm going to reserve my judgment until I actually see yeah, what sacrifices yeah, they have yeah. to make. The yeah. only thing I've really heard that sort of has been repeated multiple times is that it would likely not have the ultra-thin glass. So it would have the same side of plastic-style screen of the original Fold, which isn't a real deal-breaker for me, but I, I'll keep my eyes open for that. Yeah, okay. What I'll say is, I will also try and reserve some judgment depending on what exact specs go into it. But if it is like the original Fold with some Mm -hmm. updated internals, I don't think that that is... I don't understand that product for for people that will buy it. You would either be wild and spend whatever money 
it costs for the Fold 2. Or mm-hmm. get an incredibly specced phone in one of the other models. Yeah, I'll see. I, yeah, I agree. I feel like it's very likely they have a lot of like fold one screen sitting around and they have kind of like maybe it's an easy upgrade or who knows mm-hmm. maybe this has been their plan all along to try to make a more affordable folding phone that kind of gets more into the mainstream they definitely want more people to have one right and and it would do yeah. that but honestly like you should buy a z flip then really because i still expect that the z flip will be the better phone than the fold yeah. 2 will be i mean the fold 2 looks like obscene and honestly at this point the rumor mill has kind of whipped into such furious overdrive that I think that at least two or three of these things are probably not happening, like the water resistance or the 120 hertz display. Like People have obviously kind of gone wild with their imaginations now, but what people have not gone wild with is the Galaxy Z Flip 5G. All right, so obviously, we wouldn't be proud members of the Z Flip gang if we weren't ready and willing to talk about what I personally am most excited for this year is as far as new hardware goes, which is the new Z Flip, which is dumb because this is actually not a huge update from all sort of yeah, whatever indications. Do, it's not going to be a lot. But. It's 5G. It's 5G. That's it. But that's okay. Uh, I'll take 5G. That's fine. I'm a Z Flip gang member. I'll. I mean, I would expect a better processor too, though, right? I mean, that would be nice. The rumor is, is that it's essentially the same hardware. So theoretically, it would be slightly thicker and like 0.2 millimeters taller or something, but essentially the same size. Almost unnoticeable. Yeah, exactly. Um, We may not even see like an upgraded camera, which actually is one of the things I would like to see. But likely it will be using the Snapdragon 865 and a full 5G modem inside. And that might be it. So maybe like a slightly larger battery. And there actually was a GIF that was leaked uh, like a 360 sort of rotation of a Z Flip in that same bronze color from the env- uh, the Envite. Yeah, I saw that. Which is cool. I mean, I personally like to just debrand mine and sort of cover it up, but obviously sort of more colorways are nice. But Mike, I'm curious, right? So it sounds like this is very likely going to be sort of a, a small upgrade to the Z Flip, not even a Gen 2, like a Gen 1.5, just adding 5G. And likely it will be more expensive than the standard Z Flip because I don't think they're actually going to discontinue that or maybe they'll kind of shuffle the prices down a little bit. But... What do we want from the next generation Z Flip? Not necessarily just the 5G, but like say, you know, we're in the Samsung mm. marketing meeting and we're saying, hey, this is what we want. What do you want to see out of the next generation Z Flip? You already mentioned one of the big ones, which is a better camera module, like a more modern yep. camera module. That really, for me, is the only significant letdown of the Z Flip is that the camera is a step behind the, the rest of the competition. Yeah. Which is still good. It's a good camera, but but cameras in the current set of phones have the ability to be absolutely unbelievable, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the biggest thing for me personally that we haven't spoken about would be a 90 or 120 hertz refresh rate on the screen. Yes. That one, I feel like, especially considering that the battery life, honestly, on the Z Flip is pretty good, but yeah. it is still... A reasonably small battery, right? And I think if you do crank it up to 120 or 90, it might impact things negatively. Or of course it would, but it might actually make sort of a big enough difference that that wouldn't actually be feasible. But that being said, look, we can talk about the Z Flip as the budget folding phone all we want. But at the end of the day, this is a $1,400 device, right? And that's, I think... Oh, I forgot how much I paid for it. (laughs) I've forgotten that. Oh, God. So... 
for me, I think as much as I love the Z Flip, yeah, it is kind of hard to justify the fact that the phones that we use right now are kind of out of date, right? We're using essentially the same specs of like the $700 Galaxy S10e from February of last year, right? Yep, essentially the yep. same camera modules, essentially the same processor. That's kind of tough to swallow, right? And I think with the 5G model specifically, they're obviously taking some steps in rectifying that by keeping it up to date with, you know, the Galaxy S20, which at least is sort of a little bit more modern. But the thing is, I want more than just the 5G, right? I want, like you said, those cameras. I think especially the the thing that I really would appreciate is just sort of better dynamic range. I don't even necessarily need a bigger sensor, although I'd appreciate that. But obviously, the last thing I want on a Z Flip is a huge camera bump, right? I think that would mm-hmm. completely defeat the purpose. But having a little bit more dynamic range, having something like 120 hertz, and honestly, I would really appreciate a sort of larger external display. So I know in the early days of the podcast, I may or may not have said some things like, the tiny screen is fine. I have no problems with it. But uh, as time has gone on, I just don't really use it anymore. I use it for a selfie every once in a while, and I use it to look at like sort of my battery percentage as it wirelessly charges by my bed. I think they could go at least a little bit bigger. Even if it was twice as big and I could swipe through like a couple more notifications and get like a little bit more than just like an icon, it would be really useful. I would like to see it be much bigger. Oh, really? Personally. Yeah. Why not? Right? Like, how mm. you know, how cool would it be if the entire front of it was screen? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, you I know? keep behind that. Like, and it's just like, or, or, you know, it was like at least the size of a good smart watch display. Um, okay. But that could look a little weird, right? Like visually. So like if it was, I mean, and I don't think this is not Z Flip 2. This is maybe like Z Flip 4 where they can yeah. make like the entire front of it a screen too. But like, mm-hmm. I just think that that would be really interesting. Like what could you do with that? Would it be better? Would it be worse? I don't know, but I think I would love to see it at least. Well, you look at something like the Moto Razor, right? I mean, that I think has a good blend of, it's a large enough screen that you actually can do some yeah. things. You don't always have to open up the phone. Whereas the Z Flip right now, it is very much a, a useful gimmick for taking photos and stuff, but it doesn't really do much beyond that. And I don't see why it's not possible. It's like the combo of a clock and an LED status indicator, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree. And it would be super nice to, to 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 have a little bit more interactability on there. So, Mike, are you interested, perchance, in a Samsung Galaxy Z Flip 5G? No. <laughs> no, for, for the benefit, for the things that it will have, like a yeah. better processor and 5G support, we're assuming that might be as much as it goes. That's not enough enough for me like i've never felt like this phone was slow yeah especially when you turn it up to high performance mode i really feel like it doesn't feel behind the times at all and i don't have a 5g plan currently so oh. it, it would be kind of pointless like i i i, I am waiting uh until i upgrade my the, the sentence in my iphone mm-hmm. um i will upgrade that to a to a 5g plan at some point probably this year gotcha i think I'm so deep that I, I, I've got to check it out. I don't think I can keep away from the idea of a better Z Flip. This is a given. I mean, I'm not <laughs> even thinking that there is a question here that they could make the most minute of changes. And, you know, you are. <laughs> this, Hello, this, the here's Z Flip my money is your brand. <laughs> it is your personal brand now. 
<laughs> I love the Z Flip, man. Look, yeah. look, I, it's such a good phone. I just love using it. All right, look, there is no argument here, but my point is like no matter what they change, you're you're in it. You you got to go for it. <sighs> I'm going to be so sad if they literally give me like a tiny spec bump and charge me another $1400. What if it's just a new color? I'm not getting a new color. No, 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 okay. no, no. Okay, look. I can okay. draw the... I have we'll draw, that's standards, That's where we'll draw the line. Mike. Okay. I okay. have standards. Don't listen to what everyone else says. Okay. I do have some standards. They're just not really well-defined, and sometimes I don't listen to them. 